Wow, you're such a builder of the kingdom. You ever heard that before? That's quite the compliment in Christian circles. But、uh, what does it mean? To an outsider, this phrase probably makes like zero sense. What is the kingdom? What does it mean to build it? That's the question I'm going to do my best to answer in this intro episode of our new series on redeeming the time, the kingdom. Buckle up, cause you're in for a ride. I've been waiting for this for a long time. I'm psyched to get going. Let's do this. Alright, so if you're taking a broad look at the church, the Gospel of Matthew is probably the single most influential gospel to church doctrine. Just in general church history here, Matthew's had a lot of influence. Luke is a documentary of sorts. It, it looks into the Jesus movement that was taking over the world, and it really comes in two parts Luke, the first, you know, the gospel, and then Acts. It's a two、uh, volume set. So in Luke, it looks at Jesus and how he taught. And then in Acts, it breaks up into how his followers responded after Jesus was gone. Mark is a pretty short, but it's a deliberate gospel. And it's possibly recounting,、uh, possibly the recounting of Peter talking about、uh, the life and ministry of Jesus. John is, well, I've kind of got a whole series on that. But Matthew, Matthew is the key when we're talking about the kingdom. Matthew is the longest, and it's traditionally placed first in most printings of the New Testament. Actually, all printings of the New Testament that I have ever heard of and ever seen begin with the Gospel of Matthew. And Matthew has a lot of Jesus. I mean, like, they all have a lot of Jesus. But in Matthew, it's like so obvious. I mean, well, in John. The reader feels like they're watching a movie about Jesus' mission and his conflict with Israel's religious leaders and the hard hearted people. But Matthew, Matthew feels more like a simulation than like a movie. In Matthew, you get to follow Jesus around as he acts like a prophet. He's like the new Moses. We talked about that in John. In Matthew, it's a whole other thing, but the same idea. He goes around issuing commandments and teaching on the Hebrew Bible. He goes around healing and giving life. And you, the reader, you get to go and participate in Jesus' ministry like you were there because of the way that Matthew has recorded that gospel. So, in the Gospel of Matthew in particular, you'll realize that Jesus talks at great length about the kingdom of God, or in Matthew, it's actually called the kingdom of heaven. They're semi interchangeable. There's some nuance there. We won't dig into that too much. But essentially, what you see, if you were to sit down and just read the Gospel of Matthew and start looking for, for the high points, for the things that are constantly being mentioned, this is a skill that I was never taught until I graduated and started looking into how to read the Bible for myself. 
it was something I never had learned how to do in a church setting before was to read uh, a book of the Bible and look for themes and for patterns and focus on main ideas. It was always, you know, look at the verse and what does this passage mean? If you look at the Gospel of Matthew in the broader sense, it jumps out to you that the constant theme is the kingdom of God and or the kingdom of heaven. So you read the Gospel of Matthew and the kingdom just jumps out to you. And it's so important to the Gospel authors, in fact, that the Gospel authors don't just call Jesus' message the Gospel. They call it the Gospel of the Kingdom. I bet you've never heard that before in your life. I had never noticed it until I was already hardwired into looking for the kingdom. And then I was like, holy crap, it's the gospel of the kingdom. That's what Jesus announces right from the get-go. Matthew summarizes Jesus' entire message like that right in Matthew 4. And Mark says the same thing in Mark 1. Plus, Jesus begins his ministry by announcing that the kingdom is here. The kingdom is coming. In fact, it's already here. You see that in at least a couple of these gospel accounts. So this running theme, this pattern that is clearly so integral to the gospels, and the gospels are integral to Christianity as a whole, there's this running theme through the gospels about the kingdom. And that's where we get this phrase that really doesn't dominate most Christian life, but it's kind of lingered there. This phrase about the kingdom or building the kingdom that I opened with. So with that in mind, what and when is the kingdom? What is this? It's clearly super important, so let's learn about it. Well, when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, or in Matthew, like I said, it's usually written as the kingdom of heaven, It usually sounds an awful lot like Jesus is talking about the place where we go when we die. Jesus talks at length about what's allowed and what's not allowed, and he talks about what life will be like in heaven. But it comes with this this sense that what the kingdom, or what heaven, will be like is what we should be doing and behaving like right now. So all those rules and regulations and what will be allowed in heaven is what we should be behaving like right now. So, in other words, we're supposed to be perfect, or as perfect as we can be, at least. And when we do that, it's like we're making heaven right here on earth. It's it's almost like we're the kingdom. We're the people of God. Yeah, let's, let's roll with that, actually. So, the kingdom of God is the church. Of course, that's natural. That's intuitive. We are a collection of people, and collectively, we are like like a nation. We're a nation where good things happen. In our nation, the church, or the kingdom, or whatever you want to call it, things just go well. People who are in charge, they have good morals. Uh, People don't misbehave, or at least they're trying not to misbehave. The kingdom is like our, our safe space, and it's made that way by the rules that we follow. What's more about this kingdom is that our kingdom, it grows too, just like a nation does. A nation grows, although it grows with some differences. So a kingdom of earth grows through military power and negotiation. So yeah, um, military power. Kingdom of earth grows through military power. But the kingdom of God is different. The kingdom of God is built by people doing good deeds. So when someone in the kingdom is serving or doing good things, we say, as you know, modern churchianity, 
that that person is building the kingdom. Like I said, that's quite the compliment in most Christian circles. So that's the big picture, right? This is we've already started our study off with like a great uh, overview. We can just move right along and learn what all these kingdom values and rules and morals are all about because we understand the basic underlying principle, which is that the kingdom is like the church and like heaven, and it's how we're supposed to behave. That would be way too easy. Can you guys sense that I've been <laughs> not maybe holding back a little bit? There's actually some more ground that we need to cover about the kingdom here. In fact, it's probably the most important ground we'll cover in this entire series that we're going to cover right now in the next portion of this episode. guys. So, um, everything I talked about in the last section, it pretty much was all wrong. What I was doing was proposing that, uh, there's this method that we should be thinking about the kingdom, and that is that the church is this nation. It's this collection of people that's supposed to behave a certain way. And that we're somehow building the kingdom or giving the kingdom more influence in the world when we do good deeds. And that's a common way of thinking about the kingdom. That's what I was trying to emulate. Uh, I wasn't trying to emulate the biblical reality. I was more emulating the way that uh, most churches and most Christians that I've interacted with talk about the kingdom. And pretty much the only time we talk about it is when people are doing good things and we say, oh, you're building the kingdom. So you'll hear language like that. If you have that that mindset, you're going to start noticing in things like, uh, you know, sermons and books and, you know, people talking in churches and all sorts of things that that's typically the the idea, the framework that we use when we're talking about the kingdom is that that nation theory, that collection of people. But the reality is that most of that really just doesn't jive with the Gospels. If you go into the Gospels with that mentality and you kind of plug that thought process into everywhere that you see Jesus talking about the kingdom, which in Matthew is like 10 times a page, it it really doesn't line up when you go and do that. So it, it offers good sentiments and it's kind of become its own language in modern Christian circles. And maybe that's fine on its own, but it has this critical flaw. And the critical flaw is when we try and take this Christian language that we have now and line it up with the gospel language of the Bible. There's actually a lot of friction when we try to plug that mentality into the gospels, which implies that what the gospels are trying to say isn't actually what we think it's trying to say. So instead of plugging in what we already have, we need to figure out what the Gospels are actually trying to communicate with this theme about the kingdom. So let's go into some more detail about that. Why does our current mentality about the kingdom really screw with the Gospels? That's what we need to break down first, I think. So have you ever wondered why Jesus got in so much trouble with Israel's religious leaders? 
it wasn't because he was like, hey, heaven is cool and you shouldn't do naughty things. I mean, the Pharisees and the religious leaders in the Hebrew Bible was already kind of teaching that already. So the basic conception of what Jesus was doing uh, really... It doesn't, again, it doesn't line up with the gospel narrative. Somewhere there was friction between what Jesus was teaching and what the religious leaders were teaching. And it's not about legalism. That's often how we read the story, is that it's about Jesus fighting the legalism. That is definitely an element of the story, but it's not the whole story. Jesus' main teachings were on the kingdom, all right? Matthew's made that clear. I've talked about that already. So you would think that maybe something about the kingdom is the problem here. This is where the friction developed with the religious leaders in Israel. Now, there were definitely some other reasons aside from the kingdom as to why Jesus was targeted and eventually killed, like because of his belief and the teachings that he was a divine incarnation of Yahweh, for one. Uh, that's, a, that's a big reason. But definitely something about his teachings was really controversial. And again, his teachings are about the kingdom. Every parable in Matthew, he starts like, you know, the kingdom of heaven is like, and then says a parable. So pretty much everything he was teaching was about the kingdom, and that's where this uh, the controversy would arise. Now, from here, I want to make a quick point. Uh, don't feel bad or attacked by me saying that the modern understanding of the kingdom, and therefore what is likely your perception of the kingdom, is wrong. That's not what I'm trying to go for. I'm not trying to attack anything. Like, this was my conception right up until, I mean, I've been researching this for months and months and months, and I'm still, I think I finally landed where I feel like um, I've kind of reached the understanding of what Jesus was going for. But I've gone through, gone, I've gone through, like, multiple stages of this. Just, it, it's complicated. This is a complicated thing. So, I don't think it's necessarily something to be offended by that I don't agree with the modern consensus. I think there needs to be a little bit more uh, in-depth study into this. And that's all I'm trying to propose, so don't feel attacked at all by me saying this. And <laughs> some backup for that is that it's not just confusing in the modern day. It was confusing back in the time of Jesus. His teachings on the kingdom, especially the parables, um, were are and always will be pretty confusing and perplexing. And the people around Jesus were super confused. There were times when it's clear to us, the reader, that, you know, Jesus would say something and then the crowd would just have no idea what he was talking about. They're just totally out of touch with whatever Jesus is trying to talk about. So, I don't know, I don't think it should be surprising when occasionally that happens to us, because, you know, that happened to me, and the learning journey that I went through is what inspired me to make this series. So, this is nothing new, really, uh, that I think modern perceptions are a little off, because I think the, the ancient perceptions were a little off, too, and we'll see that the apostles definitely got it, but in the Gospels, I think a lot of the, the passerby and the people walking around with Jesus really didn't get what he was talking about or only parts of it. All right, so let's go back to our point here. What is it about Jesus' teachings on the kingdom that got him killed? I don't think it's logical that our modern conception of the kingdom would have such a drastic effect on Israel's, uh, you know, religious leaders and even just the people that Jesus' message clearly did. I mean, something about him was super controversial. I mean, it tore people apart. We talked about this in John, if you uh, have listened to that study. People were torn apart. That was the finale episode. There were constant divisions, people confused. Is this guy God? Is he not? Is he something else? 
and the religious leaders were just absolutely torn apart. Something about Jesus' message was incredibly controversial. What was it? If Jesus went around saying, hey, let's make a kingdom of people where everybody is nice and we love God and stuff. That sounds great. Everyone around him would have been like, uh, yeah, that's what Israel is. Because that's, if, if you read the Hebrew Bible, a lot of the things that Jesus was teaching are founded on the Hebrew Bible. They're either already there and Jesus has pushed them a little bit further, or they're just something that was already there, period. He hasn't even changed them at all. So Jesus's idea of making a kingdom of people who are, you know, nice and stuff wasn't novel and therefore wasn't controversial. It was something that Israel already would have thought of itself having read the Hebrew Bible and the Torah and, uh, you know, the commandments about what they were going to be. In the same way, if these teachings were about heaven and only heaven, they wouldn't really have such an effect. I would argue that our perceptions, where it's either one or both of those things, our perceptions about the kingdom just don't fit the gospel narrative. It's not logical to say that our perception, our conceptions, fit the story that they come from. I think they've been kind of written into the story uh, by our perceptions in the future, and it causes this conflict that doesn't make any sense. So this leaves a burning question on the table then. If the key foundation to all the teachings of Jesus is his perception of the kingdom, then what actually is it? I mean, this is Jesus. If he has a key to his teachings, there's something super important, super crucial that's binding everything about him together. Clearly, this is important to Christianity. And if I'm proposing that we have that wrong, that we have this fundamental misunderstanding about the most critical teaching of Jesus, clearly we need to resolve this conflict and get to the bottom of it. So how do we do that? I think that to get to the heart of this, we need to forget everything we know about the kingdom and start over. Hey everybody, what's up? You are listening to the newest episode of the Redeem the Time podcast. Read the Gospels. What you'll notice in the synoptics, that is Matthew, Mark, and Luke, is that Jesus loves talking about the kingdom of God. In fact, Jesus began his ministry by announcing the kingdom of God. And Matthew calls Jesus' message the gospel of the kingdom. Obviously, this is an important concept to understand as followers of Jesus. So, how do we go with this? You see, Jesus had a very specific meaning about the kingdom. It was the binding to his whole message. So, to understand the broader sense of the kingdom, we have to look at Jesus' teachings as a whole and notice the patterns. But we also need to understand the context in which he taught these things, namely the place, the time, and the culture. Jesus used all sorts of imagery and references to Rome, to Israel's leaders at the time, Israel's royal family from the Golden Age, and above all else, the Jewish scriptures, the, the Hebrew Bible. So we really need to examine that as well. Plus, we need to understand how Jesus' followers interpreted and applied his teachings on the kingdom. And then finally, we can learn to 
take Jesus' teachings to heart and mind and apply them in our lives too. So here's the plan for the show. This is our new series on Redeeming the Time. You ready? Next episode, we're going to dive into the Old Testament to explore what passages and themes Jesus was referring to in his teachings on the kingdom. Episode after that, we're going to look at how Jesus taught, twisted the perceptions of his audience, and demonstrated the kingdom right in the gospel narratives, Matthew, Mark, Luke specifically. After that, we're going to look at Acts and the Epistles, or the New Testament letters. And there, we're going to see how Jesus' followers interpreted and applied the kingdom idea to their discourse and to their lives. And then, once all the overview stuff is done, we'll launch a full sub-series tackling individual values that Jesus taught. Forgiveness, service, love, giving, everything that Jesus taught about as part of his kingdom theology. All in a bundle that is still lost to many to this day. So stick around because we've got some amazing things coming on Redeeming the Time. Kinda leaves you thirsty for more, huh? Wishing I was going into a little more detail? I was too. I wasn't even going to make an intro episode like this one. I was going to jump right into the study. But uh, as I examined what modern conceptions and perceptions about the kingdom were, I realized that we really needed to take some time to discuss those and then undo that damage. So the result is this episode, which really doesn't have a lot of new, it erases a lot of the old, and leaves, hopefully, this this gap. I want you to be thirsty for knowledge now. There's this gap in your understanding that you need to fill. What is the kingdom? So what that leaves you is pretty hungry for some more redeeming the time, hopefully, and I can just juice the listens out of you guys, you know, make all that money. I actually don't. I make no money on redeeming the time. I have no ads, nothing of the sort. But still, I am really excited for this series. I've been studying for months. I've made some big changes to production, and I'm really enjoying the content that I'm making, which I think is important for any internet content creator. That said, the numbers don't agree with me. I'm a guy who's out there trying to make a difference, and if I've helped you, taught you, inspired you in any way, uh, or even if I've just got you really excited about what we're going to be talking about next, it'd be really cool if you shared some stuff around. So we release previews to our Facebook page, uh, which is linked in the description, I'll make sure, before and at the release of every episode that airs on this show as well as any other content that we produce. This is our main content, but sometimes we have other things, guest shows and whatnot. So if you shared those previews around, that'd be super appreciated. Our content isn't for everyone. In fact, it's really for a subset of the population, which is people like me, people who are in the church, but kind of feel like they're just treading water and not really getting anywhere. But still, more chances for people to listen and maybe hopefully be changed a little bit by the content and what I'm hoping I'm changing and spreading, I think that'd be really cool. On the other hand, maybe you think I'm wrong, my teaching stinks, and my audio is subpar. Okay, great, so tell me about it. I'd love to at least hear that instead of just, you know, radio silence from my audience. 
so tell me whatever. I'd love to hear comments, criticisms, theological disagreements you have, whatever. You can email those to redeemthetimeministries at gmail.com. Redeemthetimeministries at gmail.com. I'd love to hear any interactions with our media in whatever form they might be, so don't hesitate to reach out. But for now, I'm Tyler. I'm challenging you to go about your life loving your enemies, helping the poor, and redeeming the time.